Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Yay! It's so exciting to be here again. And I'm thrilled that we get to speak again and look at the story of Peter and what is it that he's writing about. Uh, We have just a brief moment, but I do want to share um, a bit about what uh, God has placed on my heart, and I trust that God will speak to you today morning as well. Our scripture uh, for today is taken from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. I'm going to read it out for us, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to it. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters, His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, uh, I'm not sure how many of us are interested in astronomy, but I am quite fascinated uh, with uh, everything that's out there in the universe. And there is this James Webb, right? That's the latest, uh, absolute latest telescope, which has replaced the Hubble telescope, which brings to us these images from outer space. And uh, as of yesterday, they have, uh, you know, come up with the first image from the James Webb, uh, you know, telescope. It goes back into a photograph taken 13.6 billion light years away. It's a picture of a star in all its glory. And around the star is a thousand galaxies. So the scientists are stumped. Now, the purpose of all this is so they can go back in time to understand how the universe began and from whatever lesson we learn from that to try and understand where the universe is heading to. That is the start and end of the pursuit of astronomy to find out where life began and where life will end. Now, for some reason, Peter, in second book of Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, he speaks about God creating a new heaven and a new earth. So 2,000 years ago, uh, there's already the scripture that talks about the heaven and earth we see around us today is going to pass away, for sure. There's no doubt about it. And there is a new creation. There's going to be a new heavens and new earth. For those who would like to read more, uh, Revelations 21.1 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And Peter himself talks about, in verse 13, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth 
in which righteousness dwells. So while they are going through all of these challenges, there is this hope inside that what we see around us is not eternal. It's not permanent. It's not forever and ever. Uh, I know that kids like to say friends forever, but hello, that forever is a bit relative. It's not really forever. But when Peter is talking about God creating the new heavens and the new earth, that is truly forever. And that is the hope to which these people are latching on to. So Peter is trying to say, folks, patient endurance. You have that visual up there of a marathon runner, somebody running a distance and pacing yourself. And Peter is saying, be patient. When you see things not quite going to plan, it's all right, uh, because God is still in control. At the same time, do not be complacent. Do not just wait for things to happen. Be alert and be active. So I want to draw our attention this morning to the endurance aspect of patient endurance. Because sometimes we might think patient endurance means God is going to do everything. There's nothing more for me to do. And I do believe that is not what the Word of God says. So in this passage that we read just a moment back, you will find there are three sentences, phrases, that is what Peter is saying, as you wait for this new heavens and the new earth, for things to get where God is going to take them for eternity, there are three things he's reminding us. Uh, verse 14 says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. Does that sound to you like a passive statement? No, it's a very active statement. Make every effort to get that A in your next paper. Does that sound passive? Not at all. The examination may be some distance away, but it's a very active state. And that's what God is saying. Make every effort. The second, in verse 17, he says, Be on your guard that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless. Now, I do believe that uh, you, know, you do have some security on the campus. Now, do you think that's a passive role? You can just read a book and a novel and listen to some music. No, it's a very active role. Be on your guard is very active. And lastly, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So nothing of what Peter is saying about patient endurance is passive. It's all very active. So there are things God is asking you and I to do. So I want to dwell on each of these three things, and I want to give you a few uh, of my stories, and hopefully that would help us understand. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. How do I do that? Where do I start? Um, God, I know that my life isn't perfect. I know there are things which are still being perfected. How can I uh, make every effort? So let me tell us um, a bit of an analogy. Um, um, I'm, I'm looking at someone here who may not have the tidiest and the neatest of rooms. So if, if someone were to walk in, it's not going to be the best it could look like. And uh, maybe it's not been clean for a few days, and maybe there's some dust gathering. And I remember when I lived in a, uh, in a university hostel, I just loved the zero-watt bulb. It was this bulb that would shine at zero watts. It just gave enough light for you to move around. But everything else gets hidden. 
in that process. And you can invite your family, friends, guests, absolutely welcome, come on in, no problem. And then you have somebody who has a bright idea. This light is too dim. We need a brighter bulb. So you get a 60-watt bulb, and suddenly you start feeling a bit queasy uh, inviting your parents to your room or your pastor to your room because things are going to get a bit more visible now. So you change the bulb, and you rolled up your sleeve, and you started cleaning a bit because there are things starting to get a bit more clearer. And one fine day, when you think the room is clean enough, God walks in and says, you know what, I would like to bring a thousand watt bulb here, a halogen light, something that beams right into your room. And you say, God, wait, I'm not ready yet. Because when you throw that much of light, a lot of things are going to get seen and visible. But God and his grace doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He starts with a zero watt, then he moves to a one watt, and a two watt, and a three watt. He gives you and I time that as he throws a light on different parts of our life, can we respond and say, God, I didn't realize that was an area of sin. I didn't realize that was a wrong thought pattern. Thank you for throwing light on this part of me and respond. And this is you and me making every effort. Is that overwhelming? Hopefully not. Is that condemning? Hopefully not. Does it mean I'm perfect today? No. Does it mean I'm being perfected? Yes. All that it means is as the Lord puts the spotlight in different areas of my life that needs correction, adjustment, I do it. And that is my story. And um, I would say to me, this is what making every effort means. Anybody here enjoys driving a bike, a motorized bike? I see a few hands going up. So I had this friend who would love his bike, and he also used to work pretty late hours in the day. So there was one occasion where he had worked an entire night, and he's driving back home after work. The only problem is our friend hasn't slept a wink all night, and he's driving a powerful motorbike, very confident I can pull it off. Guess what happens? As he's driving, the sleep starts to set in, right? And uh, little by little by little, the handlebar that holds the bike together in position begins to tilt just a bit. Now, here's the scary part. When it's tilting, he does not realize it's tilting. And there is a point at which it tilts at which the bike loses its stability, and it begins to wobble. And that's when he wakes up, and that's when he realizes, hey, I'm going asleep on the wheel, and suddenly he corrects himself. Now, that could be the danger with drifting, because it could be slow, it could be progressive, it could be gradual. So when the Lord does put the spotlights on those areas where we might be drifting, it's good for us to make those corrections soon enough. And to me, that is what making every effort uh, to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God is concerned. Is that sound okay? Does it sound okay? It's doable. It's not beyond reach. Are you with me so far? All right. The second one, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away. Um, I was telling this to one of our, uh, our friends not too long ago. Uh, when I was a student, uh, we used to go 
on these treks up the, uh, up the mountains. And uh, so there was one of us who had this uh, hobby about making treasure hunts. And he would hide these little clues, and, and we would have a great deal of fun searching for treasure by trying to unravel the clues and trying to make sense out of it. So one day we decided to go extreme with the treasure hunt. What's the extreme treasure hunt? It's a treasure hunt in the middle of the forest, which is on top of a hill, in the middle of the night, with no lights, uh, just with a magnetic compass, a compass that shows you the north and south and east and west. That's the only device that you and I were given, and we had to use that compass to search out the clues and to make our way through this maze. Not an easy task, but we had a ball of a time when at four in the morning, we did find the treasure hidden uh, in, in a part of the forest. The point I'm trying to make is, we need to know where our North Star is, where our North Pole is. Very soon, some of you will get into the world, or you are already in the world of academics, you will get into the world of business, you'll get into the world of sport, you'll get into different fields and professions, and you will find there are many signals that you will find going in the airwaves. There are many, many signals, and it's so important to know what is your North Star, or rather, who is your North Star? How do I know I am heading in the right direction? How do I know I'm not drifting? Who is my North Star? And the Bible says, uh, the Word of God is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Isn't that great? As we go into those dark places and we, uh, you know, I often say this uh, in, in my world with the, uh, in the world of business, I spend a great deal of time in HR and learning and uh, what we call as leadership uh, you know, development, and one of the things we would often uh, teach people is the issue of the ethical dilemma. You know, it's very easy if you have to choose between right and wrong. Most of the times, it's easy. But what do you do when you have to choose between what is relatively right and relatively right? Which means, how do you, how do you make a choice between two rights? And uh, how, how do you do that? And you need a North Star. You need the Word of God to be that light to show you which way to go. Uh, there is another story told of uh, the men and women who are trained in the art of detecting fake you know, currencies. Do you know how they detect fake currencies? How do you know if a certain note, uh, a dollar note, is uh, true or false? Hold it against the light. <laughs> And you can do all of those tricks, but the men and women who are trained in the art of finding the fake, you would imagine that they are taught how to recognize all the different fakes that are around there. You'll be surprised to know that's not what they do. They just train them on how to recognize the original. That's all they do. They live and breathe and immerse themselves in the original, in the truth in that one note, which is the truth, they immerse themselves into it to the point where if there is something missing by a nanomillimeter, they can spot it. 
So as we get into the world, as we get into the world where God is calling us, we do not need to be anxious about all the fakes out there. Just concern yourself with the truth. The more you immerse into the truth, the gray and the black would become that much more visible. So that's the second thing, to be on your guard. Again, something doable. And the last one with which I will close today morning is verse 18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It sounds a bit Christianese. Let me try to de-jargonize it for us this morning. To grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to me personally, what that means is, in life I will find myself in situations where I need God's grace. I need God's grace. I will find myself in situations where I need the knowledge and the wisdom of God to navigate and to work through challenging situations. Now, usually, those situations are what we call problems. Nobody likes problems because we'd like to be in a better place, a place of peace. But what the Lord has taught me over the years is to embrace those situations where you need grace. Embrace it. Do not resist those situations where you need grace because God's grace is abundant. God's grace is abundant. Yes, to embrace the grace, I need to embrace the situation that I'm in and say, Lord, in this situation, would you give me grace? In this situation, would you give me the knowledge and wisdom of God because I have no clue what I am to do. I have no clue what I am to say. I'm feeling so inadequate, Lord. And it's in those situations that you will grow in the grace. It's in those situations that you'll grow in the knowledge of God. Uh, you know, I often talk to people about forgiveness. I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, I remember I was in university, and uh, we had a big examination coming up. And in those days, you did not have electronic books. It just used to be the physical books that you needed to get. So I run to the library to try and get the last copy that is out there. And just as I'm going to get the last copy of the book that I need to pass a paper, I find that my best friend has got there a moment before me, and he has picked up that last copy of the book that's in the library. And I need that book to clear my exams. And I think, oh, I'm so glad it's my best friend who got the book. It's not anybody else. Well, I was too naive, because when I asked my best friend, hey, after you are done, right, you do all of your study, after you're done, can you give me that book so I can do my study and clear this paper? And my best friend said, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. This paper is very important for me, and I need this book till the day of the examination. You're my best friend, but sorry, I'm not giving you this book. It was a hard lesson. It was really hard. And then I heard about God's forgiveness. And I said, God, surely not this guy. I mean, how can you do this? Well, it took me several years of resisting God and saying, God, I, I do not have the grace to go through this. I do not have the grace to go through this. Till one day, the prompting kept getting stronger. And I decided to write a letter releasing that friend of mine from the unforgiveness that I had harbored against him for many years, not expecting a response. Well, to my surprise, there was a response. 
And in the response, my best friend asked me for forgiveness back, and there was reconciliation, and our friendship was restored. So we grow in the grace and knowledge by embracing situations where we need the grace and knowledge. I'm going to close with that. Um, so three reminders. Let's make every effort. Let's be on our guard. And let us grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Let me pray for us in just a moment. Father, we thank you that you are speaking to us. You're speaking to many of us even this morning. For those who have heard your word, I pray your word will take root, bear fruit, and bring much harvest in the days to come. I bless each of these students, and I bless them with all the blessing that you've stored for them in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel. Until next time, much love.